Hi, friends. I'm Olivia. I'm Rod. And you're listening to Just One More Thing from Sunrise Church. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Just One More Thing from Sunrise Church. Today, we're breaking down the February 19th sermon, Seize the Day. All right, let's start off with the video clip. I know you thought it might not work as well as you wanted it to. I thought it fit in well, but why did you choose this one and what were you hoping to accomplish with it? The video clip was from Monuments Men, and um, they were sent on a mission that, that most people thought would all automatically fail, but uh, George Clooney's character in there gives a reason, a perspective. He offers them a perspective of, of why it matters, and I think he does a really good job of that. And, um, you know, when you're involved in a fight, sometimes it, it matters that you show up to the fight. The engagement matters. And so I thought, especially coming from what Peter's going to argue to his readers about the prophets and how they, uh, they showed up without realizing the full victory of the things they promised, I thought it would fit in good. And there was a scene in there where a person who had been rejected in other areas, this is the battle he gets to engage. And so I was taking it from the standpoint of the readers. There are certain battles that Peter's readers, that by application we don't get to engage in, but the ones that are in front of us in our time is the one we should engage in. And, um, and, and we can live our lives in a way of thinking about other battles and how we would fight them, but the fact of the matter is the, the battles that are in front of us are the ones that we have to have to engage in. Yeah, so it's interesting to think that the audience that Peter is writing to, these are people who are under persecution, they're suffering. Peter tells them that they're to be envied because of the the time that they're living in. Can you explain that? First Peter chapter one, verses three through twelve is one long sentence. And let's not forget, uh, the reason he's writing this sentence is that he wants his readers to bless God or to praise God or to to live out uh, their lives so grateful and so to, to worship God. That's a big ask when you're suffering and when you feel like everything is against you. And, and there might be times when you feel like even the Lord is against you. But Peter says they should praise God, and he and he gives them reasons they should do that. First of all, that he offers them a new birth, free. And they've been birthed into God's family. And then he says more than that, they've been given the opportunity to live out a, a living hope. And, and what I find interesting here is he looks back at history to show them that the hope they live now is not wishful thinking. It is by necessity connected to historical events, the resurrection of Christ. And then he says they have an inheritance, that their their suffering is not in vain, it's not uh, worthless. There's actually some positive that's going to come from that. That's an inheritance that they're gaining right now. Then he says uh, that they get to walk in the same path that the Savior did, from suffering to glory. And then he does something interesting in what we talked about this week, verses uh, 10 and 12. He kind of flips the script because it's very easy for you to feel sorry for yourself, for you to say, woe is me, look at what I'm going through because of my faith. He kind of moves them in a different place in the field to allow them a perspective that they've probably never thought of before. 
And that perspective is that the prophets, when they were writing about the Messianic age and, and what would happen when Messiah would come, they knew this was not for them. They could only dream about what that time would be like. But Peter's readers, and, and us as well, we know, we again are looking on history of, of what that means. It means that the Gentiles are included in God's plan. And then the second reason that uh, they shouldn't grumble and uh, complain about the times they live in is because even angels gaze on the relationship that we have with our Heavenly Father, and they marvel. And I brought out in the sermon that that word gaze is only used five times. Some translations, it's it's translated uh, long to look into this relationship. And it's the very same word when John and Peter run to the tomb, and they bend down, and they look inside the tomb, and it says they gaze into the tomb. And what's going on in their mind, they're trying to put this all together. And I think Peter is is saying that the angels are trying to put together this unique relationship that we have with our Heavenly Father. I mean, the God of the universe ends up wanting a relationship with us, and instead of giving up on us for failing Him, He ends up sending His Son to die for us, and He brings us part and parcel into His family. And that is an amazing thing from the angel's perspective. I guess two questions with that. One, which you kind of addressed in the sermon, how much did the prophets actually know when they were writing this? And I know you used the mountain illustration, but how much did they know? And then also, if they didn't know very much, why was that not revealed to them? Why were they not in on it with what they were writing and what it meant? So there's uh, a couple of different perspectives in the evangelical scholarship on this issue. It's it's hotly debated. I think anytime you ask God why does he do something uh, a certain way, uh, you know, you're, you're not going to be able to lock that down with certainty. Uh, why did he send Jesus to die on the cross for us? Because he loved us. You can, you can lock that down with uh, a pretty good certainty. Um, and even there's there's more to that than 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 just that. So that at the end of the age, he can show his unbelievable grace is is displayed. But what did the prophets know? And um, well, let's start with why might not they have known everything that they were talking about? Proverbs uh, twenty five two says that the Lord conceals a matter. It's to his privilege to seal a matter, or conceal a matter, to hide a matter. Some evangelical scholars believe that the prophets clearly saw everything and the implications of everything when they wrote. I I tend not to uh, be in that camp. I think they saw the first referent, the first mountain peak. But I don't know if they fully realized the implication of everything that that they wrote. So some of them are giving pictures uh, of the way God will Will work with human beings, and I referenced some of those in the sermon. Um, but but they might have a a close by reference in time, but then they have a far away reference. I personally think that most of the things that was very difficult for them was to put together a suffering Messiah. I think they saw more of a 
Messiah who was going to be victorious, who was going to uh, come and deliver them. But I'm not sure they they put it together that what it would cost him to deliver them. And so um, I tend to think that they did not know all of the ins and outs of everything they were writing about. They, they probably referred to it as one thing, but we know it's another. And, and Daniel, even in his uh, prophecy, uh, talks about that. There's some instances where the temple is defiled, and we know that's just a picture of a bigger defilement that will happen to the temple uh, during the tribulation period. The, the main thing I want to communicate is this, is that don't take your time for granted here. Uh, seize this moment uh, and realize that there are people that would have loved to have experienced what you experienced. There's people that would have loved to have seen and lived in the, the light of these days, these days of knowledge, these days where we live post-resurrection of Jesus with the hope and the, the anticipation of him coming and gathering his church to himself and setting up his reign. There's people that would love to stand where we stand. Yeah, and I think that's a great thing to remember, especially like with Peter's audience, when we're in hard times, that is a total change of perspective to think, even with what I'm going through, they'd kill to be in my position, which is just a totally different way to to view it but it's true i mean we live in a post-resurrection world which is incredible and gives us such hope yeah and so that's you can see just in this first verse well the the second verse that peter writes it's all about giving them hope it's all about encouraging them to to stick to their convictions to stick to following the savior to not be drawn into uh other places to not be uh, drawn into to forsake their faith, and he's highly motivating them, and he's doing it to their hearts, to their heads, the knowledge, the information he's given them, and I think that perspective really carries a lot of weight uh, in helping them make the right choices of each and every action they must take being under persecution. Yeah, I'm excited to see how we cover the rest of First Peter as we get into the book more. Um, Thank you for breaking that down. And thank you all for listening to Just One More Thing from Sunrise Church.